Leaders is a Catholic faith-based healthcare delivery system where you'll find leading-edge technology and an experienced staff, as well as the trust and compassion that we have always been known for. This is St. Peter's Better Health Update. Here's Bill Klaproth. The Neonatal Intensive Care Unit, or NICU, at the Children's Hospital at St. Peter's University Hospital is one of the most experienced and one of the largest specialized facilities of its kind on the East Coast with 54 intensive and special care bassinets. You know, preemies require a special brand of care, and the parents of those premature infants are often faced with numerous unknowns. And here to talk more with us is Dr. Mark Hyatt, director of the NICU at the Children's Hospital at St. Peter's University Hospital. Dr. Hyatt has spent more than three decades in the care of these most fragile newborns. Dr. Hyatt, thank you so much for being on with us today. So tell us, what is a neonatal intensive care unit and what special features uh, does it provide? Uh, A neonatal intensive care unit is a uh, facility inside a hospital uh, where there are uh, where there's equipment and uh, specialized equipment and specialized staff who are trained in taking care of uh, newborn infants who have uh, any medical or surgical problem. Uh, it, it's important to understand that there are different kinds of neonatal intensive care units. And the American Academy of Pediatrics has established a, a system whereby you can, uh, you know, you grade these neonatal intensive care units by the depth of their uh, and the breadth of their facilities. And the highest level is a level four neonatal intensive care unit that uh, is equipped to take care of any possible problem. And our uh, NICU here in New Brunswick at St. Peter's is a level four neonatal intensive care unit. Okay, so there are, how would somebody know, an average, you know, parent or or somebody that's pregnant or or somebody that needs to know this, how would they find that information out? Um, Probably the the easiest way to do it is to discuss it with their obstetrician Um, uh, or the the specialist that's delivering their child. And uh, they can make a, uh, the obstetrician can make an assessment of what that particular family's needs are, and uh, if something has been discovered during the course of a pregnancy that uh, uh, would require either high-risk maternal care or particularly high-risk newborn care, the obstetrician would be well aware uh, of the kinds of facilities that uh, are in their area and uh, where they have uh, delivery privileges, and they direct the patient to the appropriate facility. Okay, gotcha. So now let's talk about, you mentioned high risk in there. So let's talk about high risk. Is low birth weight weight, uh, the only reason a baby may spend time at the uh, NICU, or or what are the other ones as well? Um, You know, as I said, Bill, we really have uh, the capability to take care of any uh, brand new baby who has any kind of medical or uh, surgical problem. And low risk, low uh, weight babies only comprise about uh, 40% of our admissions. Uh, the other 60% are uh, larger babies, full-term babies, whose mothers e- either have, their mothers may have certain medical problems, for instance, the diabetes or so, something like lupus, or the, the babies have medical problems. Uh, by all this attention over the years on taking care of low birth weight infants and extending their survival, uh, the people in my field have learned a lot about 
newborn medicine and newborn physiology, and we've kind of raised the level of, uh, we've been able to raise the level of care for all infants. Okay, so what percentage then of all babies born uh, land in the NICU? In the, overall, in the country, about 1% of babies are extremely low birth weight. That is under 1,500 grams. And we're talking about 4 million births. That's not an insubstantial number. Overall, though, about 8 to 10% of babies may be candidates to be admitted to, to neonatal intensive care units. Uh, you know, usually for a shorter time than those, uh, you know, smaller and uh, and and usually uh, more uh, ill infants. Okay, so what are the causes of um, low birth r r uh, weight? Getting back to that, and is is there any prevention that through rest, diet, or medication? Well, Bill, you have to d differentiate between low birth weight due to prematurity and low birth weight due to some impact on the normal growth of the fetus uh, in utero. Uh, most cases of low birth weight, and that we define under 2,500 grams, are due to babies born er being uh, born earlier. The earlier you're born, the, mm -hmm. the less you're going to weigh. Uh, but there are a cohort, a group of babies who come to our unit who may not be premature, but yet they have low birth weight uh, based on some uh, impairment uh, in their growth, either due to decreased blood flow or, or maternal high blood pressure or some other complication in the mother. Um, as far as preventing low birth weight, well, you have to look at preventing, looking at both of these causes of low birth weight. As far as prematurity, there um, there has been a, uh, you know, some some uh, effective intervention in lowering uh, the instance of prematurity, but we don't understand all the causes, and so obviously we haven't been able to eliminate it. There's uh, there's a drug that's being used, prostaglandin. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, progesterone that's being used mm -hmm. in in a group of women who have uh, short cervix, and those women can use would usually deliver early. But now with the use of this drug, that's been a major change, and we've been able to prolong their pregnancies. Uh, some early deliveries due to infection and uh, effective treatment can uh, uh, you know can prolong the pregnancy. But overall, we just don't have a magic uh, treatment yet to prevent all premature pregnancies, uh, okay. premature deliveries. Uh, as far so, as uh, growth and mm -hmm. yes, go ahead, Bill. I was just going to say, so in either case, no matter what the cause of a low birth weight baby, what is there a, an effect on development later on in a child's life, or is that a random, or, or how, is there any way to know that? Uh, there, there are many ways to know it. I think the, the takeaway message uh, is that the vast majority of our children who come through neonatal intensive care units, even the ones who are born very early, go on to lead uh, productive lives and, for the most part, fulfill their biologic potential. Uh, there are, uh, and, you know, we usually can get some, some indication while they're in the hospital uh, of what their prognosis is. We're not yet at the point where 100% of our graduates go on without any complications, but I can uh, proud to tell you and, you know, very gratified that, you know, uh, every year that's getting to be a smaller percentage of those children who go on to have problems later on in life. And, 
and those problems you know are sometimes can affect the way children move uh there's something called cerebral palsy uh the way children uh the way that their minds work there can be there can be cognitive impairments but fortunately those are less common than they were and they're getting to be almost rare well, that's uh, that's very good news. Let's uh, talk about the parents for a little bit. It's got to be very difficult for a parent whose child may be in the uh, NICU for a long time. How do you help the parents deal uh, with that who may have to spend weeks or even months at the hospital? Well, this this is you know this is a, one of our major challenges. Uh, it is extraordinarily disruptive, both you know, uh, physically and mentally and emotionally, financially. Uh, on on parents who normally would expect to take their their brand new baby home after two or three days, and and now we have a, an artificial situation where they're separated from their child for weeks, sometimes months. They may have other children they have to take care of. The mothers themselves may not feel well. So uh, we have a lot of work to do to try to help them. We have uh, uh, specialists on staff, social workers, psychologists, nurses. Uh, all of us are focused in to try to ease this transition and, and make the situation a little bit more tolerable for the parents. One of the things that St. Peter's has done in the last six months is develop a system uh, or purchase a system called the NICVIEW system. And mm-hmm. this is this is a terrific addition to our uh, to our equipment here. This is a camera that in real time allows the parent to look at their infant in the NICU on any one of their pla- uh, any one of their devices, whether it's their smartphone, uh, their uh, their iPad, uh, their computer, and they have 24-hour uh, access to their infant. And if they mm-hmm. go home, they can just pull up their child's picture on the screen, see what, what what's going on, uh, call the nurse if they have any questions. Uh, we're the only we're one of the only few hospitals that have the, has this, and we really are fortunate because we got a lovely grant from uh, the Provident Bank Foundation to mm-hmm. purchase this system, and I think it's been a game changer for us. Well, we are very fortunate to have uh, level four NICU units uh, like you have there at St. Peter's, there to uh, you know take care of our our most vulnerable young children, and uh, we thank you for that. And Dr. Hyatt, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. And for more information on the NICU at St. Peter's, please visit stpetershcs.com. This is St. Peter's Better Health Update. I'm Bill Claproth. Thanks for listening.